G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. looking at the topic, The Works of God, based on John chapter 6, verses 22 to 31. I believe God did create us to work, to rest, and to play. But when it's time to work, we should work hard. And when it's time to rest, we should do so peaceably. And when we have time for recreation, we can either play hard or we can just enjoy it. It is important that we remember that Jesus is speaking here in the Gospel of John words of life. But because they're of the Spirit and not of the flesh, many of his listeners will not understand what he is trying to say. They will misinterpret his words. This is the very reason why we emphasize from John chapter 3 the necessity of the new birth. When you are born again, it says in John chapter 3, verse 3, you are able to see the things of the kingdom of God. And I might add, you may be able to hear the things of the kingdom and understand. Be able to understand and apply what Jesus is saying about kingdom living. However, before the new birth, the words of the Spirit and the words of life coming from the mouth of Almighty God mean nothing, or they will easily be misconstrued. And this will clearly happen when Jesus is speaking to the multitudes. So we are in a lesson, again, called The Works of God, John chapter 6, verses 22 through 31. And it says here, in verse number 26 and 27, Jesus saying, "Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Wonderful words of life. But what do they mean? He's talking to the multitudes who were really, how can I put it? They were actually chasing after him. After he did that amazing messianic miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the only recorded miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. This multitude was after Jesus. Where is he? Where can we find him? And they even got in boats to chase after him to Capernaum. So then he's speaking to them the words that have just been read. And he gives an exhortation, a very important and clear exhortation, not to labor for food which perishes, but to work for food that endures unto everlasting life. Well, obviously, we do have to labor for natural food, 
But he's saying, don't make that your top priority. Because if that's all you're going to do is labor for food, which perishes and you perish, then what have you gained in the long run? He's saying, do the work of God and labor for the food that endures unto everlasting life. The question we're going to have to ask ourselves is, what kind of work do we do that leads us to everlasting life? And it goes on to say that the Son of Man shall give you that food from him, because he, the Son of Man, is the one that God the Father has sealed. So in this lesson, we're going to learn about the work of God, laboring for food that endures to everlasting life. When you find out what the work of God is, it's really not going to be what you were expecting. Because like so many other things in empowered, victorious Christian living, God actually does all the heavy work, and we simply follow on to him. I want to read to you the entire portion of John chapter 6, verses 22 to 31. Our lesson is entitled, The Works of God. And the reference, once again, is John chapter 6, verses 22 to 31. Let's listen carefully, because this is God's word. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one wherein his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? that we might work the works of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he had sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Our reading is from John chapter 6, verses 22 to 31. And our lesson is called, The Works of God. I'm not sure if you noticed, but Jesus answered the question, what the works of God are. But of course, before we address that verse, let's look at the earlier verses, starting with John 6, 22. Where did he go? Some of the multitude of the 5,000 who were fed by Jesus were perplexed. Where did he go? They saw that the disciples' boat was missing, 
and they had not returned to fetch Jesus, who had gone to a quiet place to pray, to the mountains, as a matter of fact. The disciples had sailed away on their own. And then it talks about Tiberias in John six twenty three. This major city was built by Herod Antipas and was built around the year 20 AD. Now, so you don't get confused. There is Herod the Great. He is, of course, great in that he built a lot of buildings, not great because of his godly character. He is the Herod that built the Temple Mount. He built Caesarea. He built Matsada. He built Herodian, Jericho, many things. He was a master builder, a capable administrator, but a ruthless leader. He just did not put up with any opposition or even perceived opposition. When he died, the kingdom of Israel was divided by the Romans. The same Romans that appointed Herod the Great now appointed the three sons. One was Archelaus in Judea, one was Philip in Golan, and one was Herod Antipas in Galilee. This is the Herod that married Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and earned the condemnation of John the Baptist. He wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and build some great thing. But the problem was he didn't have his father's ingenuity. But he did manage to build Tiberias, a city which is still in existence today in modern Israel. In fact, it's a major tourist hub. And the tourists that come there are local Israelis, of course, but more so, I believe, are the Christian pilgrims that come from all over the world. Because Jesus ministered along the shore of the lake, most specifically the northwestern and northern shore, the business of the hotel industry in Tiberias is assured. Yet, despite all this, when Herod Antipas built Tiberias 2,000 years ago, he inhabited it with some of the lowest people you could imagine, because the city was built on a cemetery, and pious and observant Jews would not live on top of a cemetery. So Herod had to get the unsavory people to occupy a city. It is highly probable that Jesus never, ever visited or ministered in Tiberias. So despite its earthly prominence, it was the major city along the lake in the time of the Lord. It is merely a footnote in the Gospels, and even here in chapter 6, verse 23, it is parenthetical to the whole narrative. It says, Other boats came from Tiberias to the place of the feeding of the 5,000, but they were irrelevant to the search for Jesus. So remember, what is prominent and acclaimed by the world is merely, shall we say, a subtext to the things of God. And that includes Tiberius. Away we go. John chapter 6, verse 24. The puzzled crowd, the ones that were fed by Jesus and wanted to make him king by force, decided to get into the boats and go find him. They headed towards Capernaum on the northern shore of the lake. And then in verse 25, they found him at last. When they arrived in Capernaum, on the other side of the lake, they asked Jesus, of course, the simple burning question. Rabbi, when did you come here? And in verse 26, Jesus responds. Now, 
he does not directly answer the question about how he got to Capernaum without getting into the boat, because after all, he would have to admit that he walked on the water to catch up with his disciples who were in the boat in the midst of a storm. So what does Jesus tell them? Instead, he says to them that they are seeking after him because they ate the loaves and they were filled. Then he goes on to say in John 6, verse 27, speaking words of spirit and words of life, which of course were bound to go over the heads of many of his hearers to the point they would eventually turn away from him. It doesn't matter how many miracles he did. If they could not handle the words of life, and they will get at times a little heavy duty, they will turn away. Remember, people, to be honest, can be so shallow. If there is some kind of sound and light show, they're there. When the lights go off, or when the lights actually go on further, they clear out. Meaning, when the truth is made fully manifest, they don't want those finer details. Jesus then tells them that it is time to work for food or meat, which endures to eternal life. The Son of Man shall give them this wonderful food. On him, God the Father has set his seal of approval. Whoever is approved of God is approved indeed. Therefore, if you labor only for temporal, worldly food, you will hunger again. And what's worse, you will miss out on the gift of eternal life. So the stakes couldn't be higher. This doing the work of God is not an optional extra for the super spiritual. It is for everybody so they may have life and have it more abundantly. That leads us to a very important question. John six twenty eight. After hearing another startling statement from the lips of the master, the multitude asked him, what do we need to do to do the works of God? That, of course, is a great question. And in John chapter six twenty nine, Jesus answered it. In fact, the answer couldn't be any more simple. The work of God is this. Believe in the one whom he has sent. Is that it? To do the work of God is merely to sit there and believe in your heart, as well as confess with your mouth. Is that all we need to do? Well, apparently, that is all we need to do to begin to do the works of God. What we have to understand is that Jesus Christ, God the Son, has done all the work for us. When we believe, His work and the benefits of His work are imparted unto us. I call this the great exchange. We hand to Jesus our works, especially our evil works, every work, and Jesus downloads to us his work. Because everything he does, he does exceptionally well. And it's not just his miracles, it's not just his words of grace, it's not just his sterling character. It is the fact that he took the penalty of our sin upon himself and was nailed to the cross. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead so we can be justified. We can be declared not guilty of sin. And more than that, and we are justified in Christ. 
something else amazing happens. We are declared righteous. So let me use that analogy again. We upload to Jesus our works, our sins, our burdens, our shame, our reproach, everything. And they're nailed to the cross with him. In exchange, he downloads to us his righteousness. And that's why we must not try to work to gain righteousness. We just need to believe, receive, confess, commit, trust, and obey. And when I say obey, I mean obey what Jesus says. People who obey build their lives on the rock. People who don't build their lives on the sand. So John 6, verse 30, show us a sign. Bizarrely, the multitude asked Jesus to show them a sign that they may see and believe him. What would he do to win them over? I say bizarre because the multitudes had experienced the loaves and the fishes. Five loaves, two fishes fed 5,000 people. Now, of course, they missed out on Jesus walking on the water and sailing at supernatural speed, but the 5,000 miracle should have been adequate as a sign for them. However, people are presumptuous. Prescribing what God should do rather than acknowledge his sovereignty, letting him do what God wants to do. Presumption means, in essence, that we know better than God, that we can give him advice, and that he needs to fulfill our expectations. In other words, presumption swaps places and makes us more God than God himself. But finally, John 6.31, bread from heaven. When they recite that verse of the bread of heaven, meaning manna came from the desert, it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. I believe they're quoting from the Psalms here. Yes, this is true. God gave them bread from heaven. But why were they unconvinced when they were fed among the 5,000? Again, this is the wonder of doubt, unbelief, and of an evil heart. Now, our lesson is called The Works of God. What is our lesson for life? Our lesson for life is only when you forsake your way and accept God's way that you will begin to make spiritual progress. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.